The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. Get ready. You're at the right place for all the most current home improvement information with a very practical twist that you'll find anywhere. I'm Danny Lifford, along with my buddy Joe Truini, and during this hour, the battle is on. Weeds. Everybody's right. having weeds trouble are everywhere. with weeds, and we're going to give you a lot of ways that you can attack them because it's all about being persistent and vigilant, you know. So we'll tell you a few of the tricks that you can use and some of the things that you have at your house right now that can help out with that weed control. So we'll try to get ahead of the game there and let the neighbors worry about the weeds because you're going <laughs> to knock them out in, in your yard. Hey, railroad ties have always been very popular ways of creating flower beds or retaining walls, but they don't last forever. What do you do when you have to change those out? What are some other alternatives? We'll talk with the homeowner about that. And we have an unfortunate situation with septic tank problems. And you know what? When the septic tank has a problem, it's always at the worst possible time. You know, on, on Christmas Eve, uh, just before the birthday party, families right. coming in exactly. to stay. We'll tell you a few of the things that maybe you can head off some of those problems. Also got some great emails. And Joe, what about that simple solution that's coming up in a little bit? Well, this time of year, a lot of people um, are looking at their landscape lights and realizing they had a rough winter. So I have a quick tip on how to fix common problems with low-voltage landscape lighting. All right, fantastic. Well, we want to hear from you. You can send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask, or you can pick up the phone and call us anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The Today's Homeowner Hotline is 800-946-4420. We'd love to hear from you on any kind of question that you might have, any comment that you might have on a particular subject that you would like for us to tackle here on Today's Homeowner on our radio and always we're open to hear any tip of any little thing that's worked well for you share it with us and we'll share it with our fantastic today's homeowner audience all across the country now we had a lot of people call the hotline this week so we thought we would tackle a few of those calls right now i have recently had my basement walls painted and there was a small area where I had to use the flex seal over a, a window, which we had sealed up with uh, concrete blocks. And I used a liquid flex seal. The paint would not adhere to it. And we called Home Depot, and they said that had I used the spray flex seal, I could paint it. So what do I do? Because I had the liquid flex seal, and it, it had cured, but the paint won't stay on it. Okay. Um, Joe, I suspect there might be, um, I mean, I'm very familiar with Flexil and have used it sure. a number of times, but I don't know about the chemical makeup of it. But this this makes me feel like there must be some silicone in there because, oh, yeah. uh, you That's know, right. silicone is something that is notorious about uh, not allowing you to paint it. Um, uh, what, what, what could the caller do in order to be able to put something on that particular yeah. area where the Flexil is so that they can paint it? Yeah, I'm not really sure because that is correct. You cannot paint over liquid flex seal, but you can paint over the flex seal spray, which indicates that I guess there are two different formulas. I'm not sure why. Um, 
maybe because the Flex Seal spray is thinner so they could spray it. it you can paint it. I'm not really sure, but okay. So what do you do now? Well, if you can't paint it over, you can't paint over it, but I guess I would try um, priming it first. If you can get some kind of primer to stick to it, whether it's a spray primer or a brush on primer. And then of course, then you could paint it because the paint would stick to the primer, but that is correct. You ordinarily, the manufacturer even recommends um, that you shouldn't bother painting it because it's not going to stick. Of course so, it's, I mean, you know, you maybe can't remove it easily. Using the spray flex seal over it. I wonder if you could do that. You know, yeah. might be just, and I'm sure they're compatible. So a light coat of that yeah, might be just idea. the secret yeah. to be able to do it. A little trial and error might be necessary on that particular one to see, uh, you know, but you're only talking about, you know, a can of primer and, you right. know, spray can of primer and then the spray flex seal. Try either one of those. I'm sure one of those will allow you to get past that. We, part we often recommend hanging a picture for a problem like this. Too. <laughs> there you go. Hang a nice big portrait. There you go. Let's go back to the um, today's homeowner hotline for another call and i have a problem with my septic tank it backs up into the basement which is finished off into bedrooms and i'm wondering how i would go about getting it stopped it's been doing it for years and years we've done all kinds of things we ran another pipe out to the ditch at the edge of the property it's supposed to be the rainwater from around the house but somehow it doesn't seem to run it off well, it's time to uh, break out the camera and not the, the your, your camera phone, um, though you could, yeah don't I, use your phone. I guess your you camera. could like maybe tie a string onto your phone and put it on video <laughs> and then find flush the clean out and just drag it through there. Yeah. No, don't do that. Don't don't do that. Just no, flush um, your phone down the toilet. <laughs> pick it up on the other end. You know, it could be a lot of different things. Um, uh, you know, this type of these type of characteristics make me think that there might be blockage from roots or something that's failing out in your main um, line that's coming in. Um, but septic tanks are, are one of those things that you get the pros out there, they'll access it, they'll pump it all out, and then they can run a camera from the main trunk line there, and they can immediately see if there's any obstructions. And if there are obstructions, they can see exactly where they are and what they are so that you, they can access it if necessary to dig down to it or possibly, you know, be able to use a um, pretty, you know, large plumber snake to go through and clear out all of the roots and clear out any of the debris. But you need to go ahead and um, move forward with getting the professional out there because um, you can cause a lot of damage, certainly the sanitary aspect of it, um, you know, would, is something to consider. But um, that's one that's one of those things that Joe, if it's if it happens once, it's going to happen again. That's right. And yep. As I said previously in the show, um, it's going to happen at the worst time yeah. possible. But getting the pro out there, I think it's time for that. It is. There's never a good time to have your septic system back up into your basement. But yeah, it always seems to happen at the worst time. Yeah, it's got to be either a pipe that's been crushed and it's not allowing something to everything to flow through, or it's got um, the old pipes had like a bell fitting, meaning it, one pipe slipped over the end of another, and and roots would easily get in there um, and clog it up. Um, so they have to get a, either replace all that piping, or like you got get rotor rooter or someone that got out there to ream out that pipe. There you go. Hey, one more call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. I've got a question regarding a cedar fence that I want to put up. What would be the best type of paint to put on that that would last? I'd like to preserve color. But, you know, I don't know, putting water, uh, like a Thompson's water seal on there is going to be something that's going to last without a whole lot of maintenance or what. Just need a recommendation from you. 
All right, certainly. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, um, you want to get it good and clean, and you can do that by um, hand washing it, using a pressure washer carefully, or using something that we recommend a lot, a lot of people aren't familiar with, is deck brightener. It actually um, opens up the pores of the wood, it cleans it, and uh, it sets it up so that it can upset, uh, accept the stain that you put on it. And I said stain, not paint. Do not paint that fence. That's right. You need to put semi-transparent transparent stain on that. And, and you'll find some where, uh, you know, that's made for fencing and decks and so forth. And, uh, and then if you like the cedar color, go with the cedar color. Um, uh, I kind of like doing that myself because it certainly, you get great coverage and you preserve the beauty of the wood. And that's why we like the semi-transparent stain because it soaks in, the wood grain is still showing and it, it gets right down into the pores of that, um, fence material and allow it to, um, you know, reduce any of the movement and the checking and splitting and so forth because it's essentially kind of moisturizing it and protecting it from the harmful UV rays. So that's what I would use, semi-transparent stain. And a lot of times you can apply it with a roller, but always recommended that you use a, a large brush to back brush it. Again, it, it, it evens it out and forces it into the pores of the wood. I think if they do that, and of course, a fence is a pretty good size project, but yeah. if you get somebody to help you and maybe you know get that roller going and that big four-inch brush, man, you can rock yeah. and roll all over that thing. Yeah, or even spray it with just, you don't need a paint spray. You could use a pump-up spray That's true. That's right. spray it on there. Because a roller, you wind up wasting a lot of stain. And these days, stains are pretty expensive. But yeah, well, obviously, he said he wants something low-maintenance. Well, obviously, you don't want to paint it because mm -hmm. um, you'll, you'll be painting it and scraping forever. But yeah, if you, the only way to maintain that cedar color is with a cedar color stain because... Red cedar will just eventually turn bleach out to like a gray color if you don't put any kind of stain on it. Exactly right. Hey, we're just getting started on this hour. Today's Homeowner Radio, so glad you're with us. When we come back, it's time to start the battle, the battle against weeds. We'll tell you all about it when we come back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Don't go anywhere. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. Today's Homeowner radio show is heard all over the country on some fantastic stations like this one in Farmington, Missouri, K-R-E-I-A-M 800. So glad that you're listening to the show. We appreciate that, and we want to help you out with any of the challenges you may be having around your house. Call us up right now, 800-946-4420, or the Today's Homeowner website that you can go to in order to leave us an email. Very, very easy. Todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Uh, right now, we're going back to the Today's Homeowner hotline. We've got some great calls. want to get to as many of them as we can. If it wouldn't be for crabgrass and weeds, I wouldn't have any green in my yard. I spent all my time <laughs> pulling literally four, five, six-foot-long runs of crabgrass and weeds with sometimes up to a foot in length constantly. Oh, boy. Do, do, do we hear a little frustration there, Joe? <laughs> yeah, just a little. Just a little. If it wouldn't be for crabgrass and weeds, I wouldn't have any green. <laughs> well, that's an issue. Yeah. Well, um, you know, 
we still would recommend um, getting a soil sample because it is you want to make sure that you're that first of all that you have the type of soil and the nutrients in it that will promote growth because many of the old timers will tell you that the best way to prevent weeds is to have a healthy lawn which kind of might be sound a little bit contradictory there because well we can't have a nice lawn until we get rid of the weeds well it kind of works on um, both ways first of all I would talk to a local nurseryman somebody that is really familiar with your situation. Uh, if, if you can get them out to your house, that's fantastic. If not, take some pictures, get that soil sample, get the results of that, and they can recommend the absolute best way to get rid of them. But I can tell you this already, it can happen in just one turn, one, one spray or one putting out granular, granulars or whatever. It, uh, it takes some persistence and several different um, bouts with it in order to um, correct it. But uh, Joe's kind of hard to just say one product that right. will take care of it and everything will be fine. There's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, especially in this case where it sounds like it's a, it's a pretty extensive problem. Um, and what, they, what most um, professionals recommend, Danny, is putting down what's called a post-emergent herbicide mm -hmm. that's specifically designed to kill crabgrass. Now, when you choose one of those, you have to read the directions really carefully because some of them can harm grass leaves as well. So obviously you don't want that. And those types are usually used for spot treatment. So in this case, where you need to do most of the lawn or most of the area that's supposed to be lawn, you want one that's not going to harm whatever grass you do have. And the other thing that I'm not sure people are aware that the best way to get rid of crabgrass or any weeds is have a nice, thick, healthy lawn mm -hmm. that grows really thick. And what it does is it chokes out the weeds instead of what's happening here, which is mm -hmm. just the opposite. The, mm -hmm. There's so much crabgrass that's choking out the grass. So um, you want you want a, a nice, thick, healthy lawn. Weeds thrive in lawns that are stressed. So you want to water regularly, fertilize regularly, cut it. And when you cut your lawn, cut it a little longer than usual, like maybe at least three inches. And again, for that exact reason, it shades the soil, it, it grows really thick, and there's less chance of crabgrass growing. But before you get to that point, you got to kill that crabgrass. You know, something I thought about, um, and, you know, I just got back from a little vacation, a wonderful vacation down in St. Lucia, and I had an opportunity to play golf down there. And while we were out on the golf course, I noticed these random guys with pump-up sprayers. Uh -huh. And, of course, they were out there on this long golf course walking um, and spraying the weeds individually. It just made me wow. realize, you know, that it, that is the way you have to attack it. Of course, they were attacking crabgrass. They were attacking a little, um, you know, a lo lot of other uh, problems that they had out on this course. Even though it was a, a immaculate place, there's still weeds are going to grow up. It was funny that the spray that they were spraying on there yeah. was green colored. That when oh. they sprayed something, it was green. You know, it's yeah. uh, some of the nicer golf courses, like with the sand that you put in your divots. They right. will all it'll also be green, which I yeah. think is kind of kind of a cool way. Why why not? I mean, you know, if it, if it does the same thing, but it just made me realize that you know, if you really want to get to somebody that knows your area and knows what to do, uh, you know, with weed control. And you play golf, well, while you're playing your next round, pop in the clubhouse there and say, hey, who, who who's the groundskeeper around here? Right, yeah. Guarantee you they know what works, and they may be able to say, here's the brand, here's how often you put it on there, because uh, those guys, I mean, they go to school, they get degrees and all of this kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, and they're dealing with uh, acres and acres and acres of grass, and they they can't let it get away from them. So that was just something I thought about that not bad. You know, I, and I really wish um, my ball hadn't 
veered over and hit the gentleman. Um, you know, uh, he, 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 <laughs> he came to after a few minutes there. It wasn't, it wasn't like a permanent thing. <laughs> How but, many uh, times are you going to hit someone with that five iron before you replace that five iron? There must be something wrong right, with well, it. Well, the, the ball just, just straight over there. I didn't mean to, to do that. I, I said, you know, you may want to consider uh, a football helmet. You no, know, <laughs> I'm kidding. Let's, let's, uh, let's switch gears and uh, get over to our uh, email stack here. Okay. We appreciate those emails. You can send us one right now, todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Charlene in Montana said, our house has cedar lap siding. The siding's about 18 years old and seems to be cracking a good bit due to the heat and the weather. Is there a putty that I can use to fill the cracks? I hope so, because I don't want to replace all of the damaged boards. Well, here's wow. the thing. You know, when you have a cedar, let's assume that it's stained because the vast majority, I mean, why paint cedar siding is a lot of people would say, though there are a lot of people that do either stain it a color like right. white or gray, uh, but, you know, painting it, um, not, not as common. Um, the problem with that is, um, you know, if you use any type of putty, if they say it is um, stainable, it's not what you're thinking. It's not as stainable as you think. But right. there are over 200 colors of caulk in an acrylic latex type of base. So getting one that matches the stain as close as possible, do some very discreet caulking, using it very sparingly to be able to apply that um, might be a way of disguising those cracks and also keeping moisture out from it. But Joe, short of that, there's not a lot that you can do. No, no, I have to, I live in a house with cedar lap siding and it's uh, like almost 30 years old. And um, the cracking is often due to how that board was cut out of the tree. If it's cut more, so it's quarter sawn going perpendicular mm -hmm. to the grain, it's much more stable as opposed to uh, plain sawn or flat sawn and it's hard to describe it on the radio but those boards you'll see will cut more and crack more and pull away from the house and everything else so a lot of it has to do with the siding itself and how it was cut out of the tree and those i've been replacing them little by little because there's you know they're just hard to hold in place they pull out the nails and everything else and if it is painted for some reason then that make it a little easier because you can fill it with almost any kind of exterior grade caulk, even if you use Bondo or something like that. And then of course you can hide it behind some primer and paint. That's why cedar siding is typically rough on one side and smooth on the other. Smooth side out for painting, rough side out for staining. Um, so she'd be able to, you know, if it's, if it's stained, then it is a little more difficult. So I'd imagine you might have to just replace those boards. Hey, Joe, I've got, uh, we got an email that came in on the, through the todayshomeowner.com slash ask. And I okay. just have to read this. This is so cool. Okay. So I just have a comment. I enjoy your show so much listening to it on Super Talk Mississippi 97.3. It is so pleasant to listen to Joe and Danny because they truly hear the issues the caller is dealing with and ask questions about. And then they give them several options on how to solve the problem. I, the listener, never feel like you're trying to rush to get the caller off so you can get to the next caller. Both of you are so genuinely nice. Ray, we appreciate you taking the time That's to, lovely. to send so that much, in. That, ma that makes us yeah. feel pretty good. Now, this isn't yeah. a relative of yours, is it, Joe? <laughs> no, it's not a relative. <laughs> Although I might adopt her. She's lovely. Oh, boy, it's fantastic. We really appreciate it. I mean, we do our absolute best to, um, I mean, you know, our whole entire brand of today's homeowner is built on being genuine, authentic, straightforward. And, and you hear us, you know, if we don't know the answer, we say, hmm, don't know the answer. But we're not going to stop there. We're going to get the answer to you. So 
some way or the other. And, and I wish we could answer all of the questions that come in, but uh, we're not um, actually able to do that with a with a two hour show that we have. But um, but don't don't hesitate. Um, and just like Ray did there, sending that in uh, at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. We really appreciate any comment, any tip that you may have, and certainly we want to help you with any question or challenge that you may have around your home. A lot of that uh, is happening. Um, you know, a lot of people during this time of the year, a lot of different ideas, including out in the yard. You may have some of those railroad ties that have worked really well for some retaining walls or maybe, uh, you know, tra- surrounding some trees with flower beds, but they don't last forever. What can you do? Well, we've got the options when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio. Stay with us. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Fluidmaster. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. Hey, I want to remind you how easy it is to receive the Today's Homeowner e-newsletter each and every week. All you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter and sign up today. Once a week, you'll get the most current home improvement information you'll find anywhere right in your inbox, and you can sign up right now. Again, that's todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter. We're going back to the Today's Homeowner hotline for another question. I have a retaining wall of railroad ties that are falling down in my back, and I want to replace them with cinder blocks. And I want to know, do I have to put a foundation down there or gravel? I don't know which way to go. Okay. All right. Glad to advise you on that. First of all, when you're talking about a retaining wall, boy, you got to build them strong because there's a lot of pressure when you put dirt and you're yep, watering right. and so forth behind it. And of course, that has a lot to do with how tall it is. But here's your few options. Um, first of all, if you're thinking of cinder block, I think you should think of a retaining wall um, like you'll find it um, with Pavestone. And Pavestone's available at all the Home Depots. And you can go to pavestone.com and you'll see pictures of exactly what I'm talking about because the problems with cinder block is they're not very pretty. So you've got to do something to them after they're installed. And you also have to have a pro do it. I would never recommend any homeowner um, put any blocks up because, boy, if you don't get them just right, they're going to look terrible and not be as strong as they should be. Um, but the pavers, um, the, the retaining walls, the stackable blocks are uh, pretty interesting. Actually, uh, believe it or not, all you have to do is glue them together. The way they're right. yeah. designed, the more pressure on them, the stronger they get. They have just a little lip that all works together in a uniform way and very attractive, a lot of different colors and styles and textures to choose from. So, so I would think that in that case, then generally you're digging a ditch below it to serve as the foundation. You're putting in a paver base, which is available again at Home Depot, available in bags. You just spread it out and then you take a tamp and you tamp it down and man, it gets tight and supports all of the weight that you have. Then follow the instructions on the retaining blocks and just, you know, one at a time and stack up one course and come back and do another course and you'll be amazed at 
how much you can get done in one day. And uh, normally you can do it where you don't even have to cut any of them if you lay it out just right. But um, I would certainly recommend that. If you decide to use the concrete blocks, you will need to pour a concrete footing there. I would not recommend doing it any other way. Concrete footing with steel rebar in it to re reinforce it. Um, and again, depending on how tall this is will determine how big of a footing you need. But um, probably a minimum would be one foot by one foot. And if you're going up higher than that, you may even need to go um, larger than that. But um, I think that's a, what I would recommend on that. And um, Joe, I have seen millions of these railroad ties. A lot of them hold up pretty well, yeah. but after a while, they do start deteriorating. Yeah, and we don't know if she's calling them railroad ties because they actually are those creosote-soaked mm -hmm. wooden ties that were used for railroad, or they're just you know pressure-treated four-by-sixes or whatever they might be um, that people are using, these timbers. Um, but either way, yeah, they, they eventually, and usually they cave in either because there's, they're rotted because they're wood or there's so much pressure against it from the weight of soggy soil or water. That's why it's really, it has to be designed to drain water from behind it. Either there's a pipe buried at the base that's pitched one way or the other. So as water soaks down behind this wall, it doesn't build up any hydrostatic pressure. The water drains out or there are actually pipes coming right out of the soil and up through the face of the wall. Um, but retaining wall blocks are typically designed to allow some drainage. Um, so that's why she probably should have a pro just check this out and find out why did it fail. Was it just because the wood rotted or was it because there's too much water backing up against this, which is why you would not use, she's calling them cinder blocks, but concrete blocks. You would not use solid concrete blocks or even hollow blocks for that because there's no way for water to pass through that and you're going to push them over again. You have to have to have those relief holes or weep holes. Right. Um, I've, uh, my previous house had lots and lots of levels. And I mean, I, I remember I, that. Yeah. Boy, I built a lot of retaining walls and uh, put brick in and, and all of it worked very, very well, but they would have never worked without those relief holes or weep holes. So drill right. through that to reduce that. Hey, let's grab an email here from the today's okay. homeowner.com um, slash ask email portal. And this one came from author in Rhode Island. Uh, my porch is supported by metal posts, which are rusting very badly. Can you tell me how to remove the rust and then how to paint them so that they won't rust again? Not sure we can answer that last one there because rust uh, <laughs> does right. happen. But um, preparation is very, very important on that. Um, you know, using some type of mechanical way to remove the, the rust, um, such as a wire brush on the end of a um, drill is a good way to do it. Make sure that you get that eye protection, not just uh, glasses. I would go with full-fledged chemistry goggles on this one and um, and a mask as well and uh, to be able to sand all of that off. But what do you think about any kind of a chemical stripper in a situation like that? Joe, have you had an experience that that's worked better? Yeah, you know what actually works really well on rust is just white vinegar. Now, ordinarily it works when you can soak it in white vinegar. So I'm not sure how, you know, the bottom of a metal post, you can't like set it into a bucket of vinegar, but maybe you could soak some rags in white vinegar and wrap it around the post. Um, I dismantled my uh, wheelbarrow because the all the wooden parts completely rotted out and I took all the metal parts. And when you take apart a wheelbarrow, I discovered there are a lot of metal parts. I didn't realize I had so many <laughs> darn metal parts. And I soaked them in a bucket of white vinegar for a day or two and the rust just basically came Is right off right? of it. Hmm. Yeah, so you could try that. But there are special uh, paints that you don't have to be down to bare metal, the rust prohibitive paints that you can apply over some rust. 
Um, the other good thing about cleaning it is you'll be able to see, you know, if there's the posts have rusted away so much that you might need to replace them. But so, but how do you prevent them from rusting again? It's almost impossible. Just keep moisture away as much as possible. If there's snow piled up against it, shovel away the snow and just keep applying paint and hope for the best. And also enough millage of paint, enough thickness of paint, yep. because, you know, if you put an, a, a good um, primer on it, it looks pretty good. Then you put another coat on it, and you go, man, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But if you take the time to put that um, second top coat on it, it just builds up more protection from the elements. And you want to make sure that you're really covering, um, you know, 100% of the surface, because any place that you may miss that might be in a, a, a crack or a crease or whatever, Yep. That's where the rust will spawn from. So, you know, a good quality brush will apply, you know, more millage of paint on it. And that's a, another way that you can protect it to keep it from lasting long. And also use a good quality paint. Don't don't go cheap on the paint right now. Uh, make sure that you use a good quality paint and that'll make it last longer than anything else. Hey, coming up, we've got a lot more information to share with you. And right around the corner, another simple solution. All of that and a whole lot more here on today's Homeowner Radio. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Wizard Screen Solutions. Find out more at wizardscreens.com. And welcome back to the show. Danny Lipford here along with my buddy Joe Truini. And we've been traveling all over the country this week and being able to uh, talk to a lot of different people here on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show and certainly encourage you to join us anytime. Right now we're headed up to New York to talk with Matilda. What a wonderful name. I always love the, the, that, that name. I'm sure you hear that all the time. But welcome to the show and tell us what's going on around your house there. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. I like my name, too. <laughs> um, you know, I have spots on my lawn that are overgrown with weeds, and I've I've tried pulling them out. They won't, They keep growing back, and I want to kill them, but I don't really want to use any, uh, you know, toxic chemicals or pesticides. Um, we have a lot of animals around here, you know. I, I just don't want to, you know, harm any birds or bees. Uh, I was wondering if you had any thoughts about that. Well, we certainly do. And that is a, a very common question and more and more a concern that people are having about using harsh chemicals. And Joe and I are a lot alike in that, you know, anytime that you can use something that is maybe found around the house or readily available that's not toxic, that's always great. And there's a lot of different ways that you can get rid of weeds. You know, one of the things that you can do, first of all, boiling water. You know, you can get the old tea kettle and get that thing working just right and then, you know, grab your glove, grab the pot and then just put it directly on what you want to kill and it'll kill it right then. It's no waiting time. It can rain right after. It doesn't matter. It's dead. If you put that boiling water directly on top, it also works very well if you have, you know, like stepping stones and you have um, weeds growing up around those because those right. weeds yep. can force themselves through just about anything. So that's mm. a real good one. And, and Joe, you mentioned one um, years ago uh, using uh, Epsom salt that boy, yeah. we got so many people writing in about that. Um, get us up to date on that. Yeah, I think we shot a simple solution on this, Matilda. And it's uh, you use a plant mister or a pump up sprayer. Sounds like you've got a lot of spots on your lawn, so maybe you use a pump up mm. sprayer. And here's what you mix: you mix half a cup of Epsom salt, one quart of white vinegar, and then you add a few squirts of Dawn liquid 
dishwashing detergent, like you'd use to wash your dishes, mm. not not mm-hmm. a dish, not a washing machine, a dishwashing machine, but just hand wash them. And you mix those really well, and you spray those onto the weeds. What happens is the salt and the vinegar are, are acidic, and so they'll kill the weeds. And the reason you add the Dawn is that it helps the, the helps it stick, helps the solution stick to the to the mm. weeds because otherwise it might just run off. And when it sticks to it, of course, it lasts longer. Um, and so that will that will kill them. And plus, it's it's a little easier to apply to a large surface because you know even if you get a small um, pump up sprayer, which might be like two gallons, that's a lot. You know, and how often mm. would you have to mm. do this depends on the health of the weeds. But I would think you'll see them start to dry up almost immediately. Um, and hopefully, you know, if, you might have to have a second application, but eventually that will will kill the weeds. Uh, we've found, we've heard from, mm-hmm. as Danny mentioned, from other listeners who've said that works really well. Now, Joe, that wouldn't harm the my pa- paving stones. You have paving stones like on a patio or walkway? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the salt might leave a residue behind, but it wouldn't harm it, and you could rinse it okay. off. If, if you do get it on it and you're concerned at all, you could just rinse it off with some water. Okay, great. Thanks for... Terrific yeah, sure. All right. And it's good, it's good to attack you. them. Great time of the year to start attacking those. And um, <laughs> yeah. ho- hope everything works great. I hope you end up with that line that you've always wanted. Thank you. Thank okay, you. Have pleasure. a great day. Okay. Thanks, Matilda. Thanks. Okay. We got another question here from our um, e- email stack here. Cheryl down in Florida says, I have an indoor stamped concrete floor that needs to be resealed. Is there a product you would recommend for this project? Well, um, you know, any type of masonry like that, first of all, you have to do a little prep work on that. And that depends on what you end up using for the sealer because you want to make sure that it's going to adhere well. So right. that'll be important that you have something there. What do you recommend on this, Joe? I mean, you know, I know a, a clear masonry sealers, a lot of different kinds that are out there. But when you really want one to last, you, you really have to dig a little deeper in those ingredients. Yeah. And the fact that it's a stamped concrete floor, I don't think that means you have to use some special sealer, anything, any masonry sealer would work. And we've answered a similar question in the past, Danny. And what we found is there's some professional grade, contractor grade sealers. And what you want to make sure is first that it's a penetrating sealer. So it soaks in. It's a waterproofer or water repellent. And that it contains an ingredient called siloxane. And that's S-I-L-O-X. A-N-E, siloxane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what that does, to tell you the truth, but um, all the professional-grade masonry sealers contain that ingredient, so I would certainly look for that. Yeah, I used um, something very similar to that on uh, Travertine, um, which is a masonry oh, product. So okay. um, it, you know, soaks in, and but it still allows it to breathe a little bit because that's right. the thing a lot of, there's a lot of confusion out there on certain, especially stone-type products. It still needs to breathe. But you don't want it to absorb things that will cause it to, you know, have mold and mildew and things like that. So um, the good recommendation from Joe on that, and I'm sure you'll you'll find very easy to use, Cheryl. Hey, when we come back, it's simple solution time. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Custom Building Products, the leader in flooring preparation products and tile and stone installation systems. Okay, it's that time. It's simple solution time. Joe, what do you have for us this week? All right, Danny, low-voltage landscape lighting 
will often flicker on and off or fail to light up entirely. And what people do, of course, is they suspect it's the bulb, so they replace the bulb. But even with a good bulb, it doesn't light up. So they think, okay, well, it must be the fixture, so I'll replace the whole entire fixture. Well, before you do that, try this. Once you know the bulb is good and how you know it's good is just try it in a fixture that is lighting up. Um, What you want to do is first turn off electricity to the system, to the lighting system, remove the bulb from the faulty fixture, check it for any corrosion, then check for any corrosion inside the socket. That's usually the problem. Moisture gets in there, it causes a little corrosion, and it affects the electrical contact. It's not making good electrical contact, so of course the light either doesn't come on at all or that's the main reason it'll flick. It'll flicker. So here's what you need to do if you see any corrosion. And I'm talking about any corrosion. It doesn't have to be completely rusted solid. Just a little bit is all it takes. Get an emery board, the kind you usually use, you know, to file your nails, sand your nails, and put it in there and lightly sand away any rust or corrosion from the metal contacts inside the fixture. Obviously, this is why you do it with the electricity off. So you want to clean that as well as you can. Then spray, and this is the real key part to the simple solution, spray inside that little socket with automotive ignition sealer, which you can get at any auto parts store. And what the ignition sealer does, not only does it, does it lubricate a little bit, but it blocks out moisture. And that, which is why it works on the ignition in your car. It blocks out moisture and that will prevent any future corrosion. And if you have to do this once a year, that would be a lot. So Mm -hmm. that's the way you can check to make sure that it's not the bulb and it's not the fixture. It's actually just a little bit of corrosion inside that socket. You know, this is something that I did at my previous house. Um, About once a year, I would go around and, you know, and and I kept it in a little bag, all of the extra bulbs and the emery board and little piece of sandpaper and the spray and all of that. And just like a little doctor's kit, you go along there and check one and, you know, you have to sometimes uh, maybe it's got bumped by the weed eater or something and I have to kind of, you know, upright it and play with a little bit and clean a lot of times also um it attracts um ant beds and mm. you know which can cause problems later on so that's sure. uh, it's one of those little simple little maintenance things like that and also another benefit that while you're there you know you're crawling around on the ground just sit down take your boots or shoes off and make those uh, toenails look so good when you get that emery <laughs> board and, and, and then spray them with some of the spray it'll make it kind of you know <laughs> and then you get up and you slide and you fall down no, see, see if you see if you run faster yeah <laughs> there you go hey uh, wonder, before we go I want to remind you what you can see on the today's homeowner television show our nationally syndicated show is in its 20th 25th year, and we really want you to check it out this week because it's all about a cozy kitchen, a very modest kitchen that we remodeled recently that included converting a pantry back to a actual laundry closet. Fortunately, the plumbing was still there, and after just a little bit of modification, um, the lady of the house had a brand new washer and dryer in place there. We also installed some butcher block countertop, which ended up looking fantastic, especially with this really cool cat cast iron sink. Yes, they still make cast iron sinks and they are heavy. Also, Backsplash is still popular more than ever and Chelsea tackled this one and made it just look fantastic and added a little bit of additional uh, shelving in the cabinetry to utilize the existing cabinets a little bit more. You can see it on the Today's Homeowner television show this weekend. Where do you see it? Well, go to todayshomeowner.com and find out exactly where you can see it in your area because we're in over 90% of the country 
and I'm sure you can find it. Now, we also have many, many streaming platforms. We're on just about all of them with um, things such as uh, Pluto, Xumo, um, and Roku, a lot of other ones there that you can find the Today's Homeowner television show. Well, that'll pretty much wrap up the show for this week. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my co-host Joe Truini, our producer Jacob Scarborough, engineer Corey Wilson, and the whole Today's Homeowner family, hoping you have a fantastic week. And remember, if you need a little more home improvement information before next week, you can always go to todayshomeowner.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for being with us here on Today's Homeowner Radio.